on this Epiphany Sunday, God's grace, which is his undeserved love, and his mercy, which is that love put into action, and his peace, which is the result of that love in your lives. They are all yours through faith in our newborn King. According to tradition, there were three of them, or twelve of them, depending on who you ask. And according to tradition, they were kings. And even according to tradition, we know their names, at least of the lead three. Their names were Melchior, Balthazar, and Casper. Thank you. I was thinking, who is that last one? Melchior, Casper, and Balthazar. And according to tradition, two of them arrived by camel while the other on feet. And one other tradition has it that they all looked very different from one another and even more different from the one that they sought out. But honestly, all of the things I mentioned to you are spoken to us only from tradition. And I'm talking to you about the wise men or the magi or the magi, depending on how you say that word. But it's amazing, of all the accounts in Scripture, I would put the story of the wise men as one of the the stories that grabs the attention, perhaps more so than many others, and the imagination runs wild because there are so many things we would like to know. And so it makes sense that over the years, urban legends have been built up. But whether there were three or 12 or 237, which is a number I just created, whether their names were Balthazbar, Casper, or Melchior, or any other names, whether they came from India or China or the Arabian Peninsula or just outside Israel in Moab, It really doesn't matter. What does matter is what Scripture tells us. And on this Epiphany Sunday, when we gather together and we are reminded that in Jesus Christ we have not just a local Savior, but a worldwide Savior, it's good for us to go right back to the biblical account and follow in the footsteps of these wise men. Matthew is the only one of the four Gospels that records for us this interesting story. Now we have from Isaiah chapter 60, as well as some other portions of the Old Testament, references speaking about how nations will see the light and will seek out their newborn king. And yet here in Matthew, it's interesting, Matthew, who wrote his Gospel primarily to a Jewish audience, he makes the point of saying, but the Savior born in Bethlehem, the Savior whose story is detailed in Luke chapter 3, it's Matthew who is writing to that Jewish audience and saying, but please note that there would be men coming from the far east to worship him as well. You see, this is a Savior for all people. 
And today, as I mentioned, I want you to follow in their footsteps. And I don't want you to follow in their footsteps in the sense of, of putting yourself in the eyes of tradition in, in what would seem to be very wealthy shoes, but rather, what's the number one thing we note about these men? They eagerly sought out the newborn king. You see it throughout the account. They were not going to give up. They were intrigued. They were curious. But they were dedicated to the task at hand. We must find our king. It sounds so basic, so simple. But do you realize what that means for the people who have been highlighted here? It meant doing some fact-finding. So they came from afar, and we don't know how far, but they did what would seem to be the most logical uh, path. They, they, they arrived in the capital city of Jerusalem, and they talked to the local leader, Herod. Where, where is this king? We've seen his star in the sky, and we want to worship him, they say. You see, they are dedicated. They want to seek him out. And they follow the most obvious path. Now, Herod wasn't playing very sincerely when he had his leaders come together and highlight from the Old Testament scriptures where the Savior was to be born and pointed them in the right direction. No, Herod, the local leader, who had the opportunity to be and worship Jesus in a very intimate way, days and weeks beforehand. No, he wasn't interested in seeking out the Christ. That's the wise men. And so here these men are, on a mission, traveling, seeking out. They need to get to him. Why? Because they know that in Christ they have something special. They knew that in Christ they had something that this world needed. They knew that in the newborn king, something very different had occurred. I wonder where that desire to seek out the Savior shows itself today. Do you think about that? We who are so knowledgeable... We who are so mobile, we who are so blessed beyond imagination when it comes to the things at our fingertips, and yet in comparison to the wise men, do we seek out the newborn king with the same fervor and excitement and ultimately the same joy? Because that's the word that really captures our attention as those wise men are going through the steps, as they are locating and getting one step closer. They make it to Jerusalem. They make it over to Bethlehem. They get to the place where Jesus was. And it says they found him and they were overjoyed. We don't know how much the wise men knew but we do know that in finding Christ, they found their joy. And so maybe it would be beneficial if we knew less. Maybe if we knew less, 
when we discovered the truth, our joy would be overflowing. And yet, here we are, blessed to know so much, to be able to look back through the eyes of Scripture, to read Ephesians chapter 3, and to see how the masterful, manifold plan of God has come together both for the Jew and for the Gentile, and to see the the mystery which was unknown to so many having been revealed, and we stand now in that knowledge and we see the puzzle pieces come together, and we're apathetic. Oh, the wise men were craving that knowledge. Let's follow in their footsteps as we seek out the Savior So that with great joy, we lay our eyes on the Savior and we say, He came for me. It's the fulfillment of all. It's the one to whom I will run when my sin starts to beat down upon me and my conscience is so burdened. That's the one. He's the king, not in the earthly sense of someone who's going to sit on a throne and dictate where armies are going to go but he's going to be the king who's going to sit on the heavenly throne and he's going to overthrow the power of the devil once and for all. Can you imagine the joy of the wise men as they finally, after the long journey, lay their eyes upon the king, a child, and to say that's what the world was missing. You see... We want to follow in the the footsteps of the wise men when we simply replicate their joy in earnestly seeking out Christ. And for us, what does that look like? It means taking the time to seek him where he will be found. And no, he won't be found on the television during a football game. And he won't be found in the majority of hobbies that occupy so much of our time. But yes, he will be found in the pages of his revealed word. He will be found in church. He will be found as we gather together around promise after promise and we with joy are reminded he's the savior and the king that this world needed. So we follow in the footsteps of those wise men as we we earnestly seek him out. But but there's more. It really takes us to the final part of our text where you see the reaction of the wise men as they arrived. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and a myrrh. It it almost seems anticlimactic. You get the impression that they were seeking and seeking and seeking, and then the star had stopped and they arrived at the house, and instead of this big to-do and these introductions, knocking on the door, introducing themselves to Mary and Joseph and explaining who they were and and from where they had come, explaining their whole idea. Yeah, we had to go talk to Herod, and he pointed us in this direction. The simplicity is so beautiful. They bowed down and worshipped him. 
May we follow in the footsteps of the wise men as they sought him and then worshipped him with all humility. Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph would have been thinking? As they were making their home, and here this young child, the one whom the shepherds rushed to acknowledge because the angelic choirs pointed them in the child's direction, the one whom Gabriel had prophesied and foretold, and now just put another notch in the story, as Mary and Joseph would have attended the door only to find these men who were very evidently not from here, but very blessed in earthly terms and very wealthy, falling on their knees and worshiping their king. May we follow in those footsteps as we worship our Lord as well with such humility and sincerity. It really calls into question the mindset with which we come into the presence of our king. It's a mindset of, we are blessed to be here. We are blessed to be in his presence. And how can I acknowledge that for him to see, may we worship him with sincerity, not with empty words and fleeting thoughts, but with sincerity. And it's amazing how the sincerity is frequently seen in our gifts. I have to admit, when my sinful nature gets a hold of me, and I read this account of Matthew chapter 2, I imagine one of my own children being a child, younger, young enough to not really understand what's going on, and imagining my neighbors coming over and laying at my child's footsteps riches beyond anything I could count, and then walking away. And I would say, what? I need that. It sounds so silly to imagine laying at the footsteps of a child who can't even understand the needs that they have and is relying on mom and dad to take care of them. Gold? Incense might not sound all that important, and yet that was a precious commodity and also symbolic, along with myrrh, of things fit for a king. To be clear, Jesus did not need these things, which is what makes them so special. You see, our worship of a Savior is not because our Savior is in need of our worship. It's because we are in need of worshiping. Because worshiping sets all right once again. In worshiping, it acknowledges the need that we have to be into the presence of the one who deserves reverence and praise. It, it acknowledges the need that we have of one far superior to us who has made good on every promise. Worshiping is an acknowledgement of how blessed we are to be in contact with our King. And so we follow in the footsteps of the wise men as they sought out Christ, but then as they worship him with humble hearts 
and with sincere worship. Gold and incense and myrrh. How does that translate today? We can think about our lives of our offerings. We can think about the different things that we can offer to our king. But before we do that, it's good just to think about the mindset and the attitude. And so we do so for the next three weeks. You see, as I'm looking at this account of the wise men and of the truths that are discovered on the epiphany, as they follow the star and they see their Savior, we see these incredible men presenting gifts fit for the King. And we're reminded of our own faith lives as well. And so in the next three weeks, we're going to continue using this theme, gifts fit for the King, And we're going to talk about how that applies in our own lives, our lives of of stewardship, as we gather regularly to worship our king. What are the gifts that we have? And are they fit for the king or not? How are we going to imitate the example of the wise men as we follow in their footsteps? Not just seeking, but worshiping. And so in the next couple of weeks, as we take a look at a section in God's Word that really talks about the Christian's life of worship, it'll be a blessing to come together and say that gifts fit for the King are gifts given eagerly. And gifts given generously. And gifts given confidently. And in doing so, we see our faith lives and our expressions of the joy of being in the presence of the king matching up with that of the wise men. Fellow Gentiles, along with fellow Jews, all members of God's kingdom and God's creation, gathering together around the Savior of all nations, And with true humility and sincerity, worshiping the one who has come to save us. I don't know how many of those myths or traditions are based on truth when it comes to the wise men. But I look forward to finding out someday in heaven what their names truly were and how many there are. But despite the interest that we might have, let's simply go back and say, but this is what we know to be true. And follow their example. We seek them out so that we may seek their example in seeking the Christ. And we follow their example in worshiping, offering our gifts fit for the King. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.